HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's program is brought to you by Kane Vineyard and Winery, a Napa Valley winery committed to respecting the soil and dedicated to the creation of three Cabernet blends. For more information, visit Kane5.com. This is Chef Emily Peterson, host of Sharp and Hot. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit heritageradionetwork.org for thousands more. All in the Industry is produced by Heritage Radio Network, a nonprofit, member-supported radio station devoted to all things food. Help keep HRN alive by becoming a member today. Go to heritageradionetwork.org and click on the beating heart to donate. Do it now. Welcome to All in the Industry on Heritage Radio Network. I'm your host, Sherry Bayer. We're coming to you live from Roberta's Restaurant in Bushwick, Brooklyn. It is Wednesday, August 10th, and this is the 115th episode of the series, which is dedicated to behind-the-scenes talents in the hospitality industry. Today, my guest is the CEO of a top event production and restaurant management company, and I will introduce him in a moment. First, as I do on every show, I will start out with my PR tip. Then later, we will have my speed round game, industry news discussion, solo dining experience, and the final question. As the founder of Bayer Public Relations, we're going to tip the show off with my PR tip of the week. So today's tip is to diversify. Explore different interests and seek new opportunities. Don't think you can only go in one direction with your career. Rather, you can pursue a variety of projects, and perhaps they will all tie naturally together and benefit each other. You don't need to put all of your eggs in one basket. Instead, remember, the sky's the limit, so reach for it and be diverse. That is my tip today. Now, I'm thrilled to have my guest calling in today from the West Coast. It is David Allen Bernal, the CEO and co-founder of Coastal Luxury Management, or CLM, which creates unique experiential opportunities in the hospitality, entertainment, restaurant, and event sectors. CLM has been named one of Inc. Magazine's top food and beverage companies in 2012 and 13, and has been included in Inc.'s annual ranking of the fastest-growing privately-owned companies in the U.S. for the past two years. 
CLM produces Pebble Beach Food and Wine and the Los Angeles Food and Wine Festival, both recognized for the creation of the highest caliber of culinary and wine talents to create once-in-a-lifetime experiences. CLM restaurant division includes restaurant... 1833 and Cannery Row Brewing Company, and the company also has launched Vessel, offering a highly curated selection of glassware and tabletop accessories. Woof. So, with all of that, let me welcome David Allen Bernal. <laughs> Hi, Jerry. How are you doing? <laughs> I know. I just uh, kept you, going. You just tired me out, I think. Just listen to all that stuff. It reminded me of all the stuff i got to worry about right now. Jeez. <laughs> no, no, no. I mean, it was, well, I don't know. I could have done the whole show on your bio because uh, there are a lot of accolades and things I'm missing out on. But um, that's that's the brief. And um, You can find them all on eBay. It's okay. <laughs> well, cool. Well, well, thanks for coming on my show today. I'm excited Absolutely. to talk to you. So um, I like to start out with people's backgrounds. And a part of your bio I didn't read was that you were in uh, fashion, I believe, before culinary. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I've okay. been in every, yeah, every, 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 anything the banks say don't do, I've been in for the most part. Restaurants, <laughs> retail stores, you name it. Um, it but that's the, that's the real sign of a college dropout, right? So, um uh, yeah, my first my first business. I was 22 years old uh, when I started Pacific Tweed, uh, which was a luxury men's and women's clothing store in Carmel, California. So we we did uh, we we had a lot of fun with it. You know, we carry lines like Prada and Brioni and Keaton and Alexander McQueen, and we were kind of the first doing um, selling. You know, really crazy overpriced stuff. It wasn't overpriced, but you know, it was it was expensive luxury goods in this market. And so um, that's kind of how I, I just that was my first entrepreneurial. Endeavor. I was working at a clothing store, really loved what I was doing. I was actually just trying to get a, a wardrobe together so I could transfer back to the Midwest. I was planning on going and finishing college at Notre Dame. And uh, I just decided that I wanted to try this for myself. Um, and so uh, 18 months later, and I, you know, the, I had a whole bunch of the staff at the store I was working with kind of jumped with me, and we, we decided to, 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 to change our lives forever. Uh, so that was how it all got started. So why? I mean, why why switch to culinary? You know, it wasn't a switch actually. It just was. You know, I'm a, I'm a serial entrepreneur. Okay. Um, I love new projects. I love. The, I mean, I I get endlessly passionate about um, like taking a deep dive in, in in everything that I do, and I think so that that is sort of a. Uh, entrepreneurial ADD, I guess. Like, I, I just, I, it doesn't matter if we're talking dry cleaners or vacuums or, you know, food and wine festivals, restaurants. So, um, you know, I was kind of a fat kid at heart and I loved to eat and drink. <laughs> and um, one of the things that we would do because we had so many great clients that shopped with us from around the world um, at our store is we'd sponsor a lot of lifestyle events, you know, and um, there was an event at uh, here in Carmel at the Highlands Inn that went on for 21 years called the uh, Masters of Food and Wine. And um, so we were just a sponsor of it. And it, it, how, how it all came to be, when I enjoyed it, I, you know, we got to know a lot of the chefs and the wineries, and I got more and more into food, which is, you know, a, a hobby and a habit that, um, you know, really, really you can't steer away from once you get into it. And um, a buddy of mine that was the food and beverage director at that hotel at the time called me one day and said, Dave, you know, the Highlands Inn, which was a Park Hyatt property, I don't think they're going to stay at Park Hyatt. They're going to turn into a timeshare. And timeshare um, division of Hyatt wasn't that interested in keeping this luxury food and wine event. 
And, you know, that was just kind of where the idea came. Well, maybe we can go and buy it from them, you know, and like, let's do, let's do this, man. Let's go. And so I knew nothing about operating festivals, of course. I just knew that, um, you know, it was a great group of people and I love the camaraderie and, um, the, just the, just the people in the hospitality industry are, are like such a beautiful, amazing bunch of people. They're giving, hardworking, um, you know, creative, and I just, I just love the idea of doing this. So, um, you know, not that much longer. It's the last Masters of Food and Wine. And just, just to tell you how that worked, we obviously didn't buy the Masters of Food and Wine, but Hyatt decided to move it to the Park Hyatt Mendoza in Argentina. So instead of selling to us, they took this 21-year-old sellout event and they moved it thousands of miles out of the country, which in 2007, if you think about this, the two biggest food and wine events in the United States were Aspen Wine and Food, the Aspen Food mm-hmm. and Wine Classic and South Beach Wine and Food Festival. Right. And here we were in California in the salad bowl of the United States, <laughs> and California didn't have a single nationally recognized four-day food and wine event, like a you know, full weekend production. There's a lot of, a lot of good yeah. single-day events. Auction Abbott Valley is great, like all these things, but a four-day, like, you know, full-on uh, festival. And so we decided to um, build Pebble Beach Food and Wine. Um, which was right here in our backyard. Yeah, because next year's going to be ten years on that, right? The tenth anniversary. Okay. I don't. Even, I, I don't know how the time flies, <laughs> but yeah, it was uh, the tenth anniversary. It's unbelievable. Well, uh, for someone who I've seen, I've gotten to know you from going to food and wine festivals, but I and I'm I've always been embarrassed to say I have not been to Pebble Beach, but I'm I'm planning to come out there next year because I've always heard such wonderful things about it. I've heard it's just gorgeous, first of all. And um, it's one of the best culinary events now being produced by you. And um, I need to see it. <laughs> I think you do need to see it. Yeah, I think 10 years is long enough to wait. I think, yeah. definitely need to get, I think we need to get you out here. I mean, it's uh, it's four days of hedonism in a forest, right? We've got, you know, about 125 of the world's best chefs, 250 wineries from around the world. Um, and, you know, just a, almost an endless... Um, you know, barrage of events, whether small or large, like no matter what you're into, what you want to do, in I think one of the most beautiful backdrops in the world, right here on the coastline um, at Pebble Beach. I mean, it's just it's magical. So it's like all these great things coming together, um, and it's it is crazy to think it's been 10 years, but so many cool things have happened. You know, we've got this amazing partnership with Mentor, which is Thomas Keller and Daniel Balut and Jerome Bocuse's or you know um, right. organization helping to take. Um, Team USA to win win the gold. Hopefully this coming year at uh, the Boku store in Lyon, and so we're the official festival in the United States of, of Team USA. So we do a lot of really great events with all those guys. We've got you know an amazing lineup of international chefs. A lot of the big biggest one, you know, the coolest wineries in the world. It's just there's so many fun things going on that like even if you're not into food and wine, you can't not you know you can't have a bad time. Right. No. It's I'm. Yeah, it's. It, I know it's just from looking at the photos and reading about it. I know it's magical. So um, I need to get out there. Now, right, I did. Yeah. We'll, we will help organize this trip. Oh, fantastic. <laughs> but I did go out. Now, the first year that L.A. Food and Wine Festival launched, and so it had to have been six years ago, I was there because that, that was your next. Was that the next big festival that you took on? Like, yeah, well, yeah, so then that was another, you know, L.A. was one of those where after we launched Pebble Beach in 2008, was our first year, we had a lot of phone calls from a lot of cities um, 
both nationally and internationally, where people, you know, the food the food scene had obviously just gone crazy, right? And celebrity chefs were a big deal. Farm to table was a big deal. Source verified. Everyone wanted to know where their pork was coming from and what the name of the pig was, and like, you know, you know how many days the lettuce was. Like, everyone really got into it, and so it became, which is great, right? I think it was um, a long time coming for let's say, you know, pretty much everybody in the United States to really just, like, embody the food scene in such a, a powerful way. And, and it really kind of finally showed up all in a moment. Thanks to a lot of people, you know, bringing food television, food network, there's a lot of people that helped that conversation forward. And then after, you know, everyone checked the box off and they're like, oh, Rachel Ray taught me about EVOO. And, like, it just started becoming more and more conversation about food and then more shows about food. So, the, the the topics just grew. So I think in the world, like everybody, all of a sudden is just like, wow, we need our own food and wine festival. And so we were, we were we were talking to a lot of different cities: um, Dallas, uh, Las Vegas, um, you know, Toronto. Mm-hmm. Like, in uh, anyways, we were also looking here. Like, LA is one of my favorite places on the planet, and I spend you know half my time in Carmel and half my time in Los Angeles, and. The, scene, the food scene in L.A., I think, is probably the hottest food scene in the world at the moment. Um, yeah, it's, it's happening. Just, it's, and it's for all, the, all these cool reasons, right? You've got, the, you've got these chefs that just, like, there are no rules there. There isn't, like, a way to do things. Like, people are pushing boundaries in L.A., and they're trying things that are, are, are wacky. They're trying things that are um, they're, for, they're just forward, that are edgy, they're, and, and also traditional. And I, and I love to see it's a hotbed of creativity. It's a hotbed of newness. And so Los Angeles, again, the, the, the big food and wine event down there was Wolfgang Puck's uh, American Wine and Food Festival, which went on for 30 years. And it was just, but it was just one night at the Universal, back, you know, the Universal Studios or uh, in the back lot. And then they did a dinner at Spago. And so to think about the entertainment capital of the world is Los Angeles. Not having a four-day nationally recognized food and wine festival, for us, it was just like, this is like, God, this is natural. Like, we've got entertainment, we've got celebrities, mm-hmm. we've got comedians, we've got, we've got all these amazing cities to play with, from Beverly Hills to Santa Monica to Malibu to the South Bay to downtown, which is just amazing right now. So it became the most perfect backdrop and palette for us to create a really big, awesome city event around a, around a food scene that was just like red hot and still is yeah so how did how did you go about creating it and how i mean how many people are involved in your team to to make this thing yeah. happen it <laughs> no, no, doesn't seem like we ever have enough i tell you that especially when we come come up on the events uh but yeah so i've got you know probably like there's you know 12 14 people that work full-time planning year-round for pebble in los angeles but then our team obviously expands to a very very um large group of seasoned veterans that we've been working with you know for a long time that help from you know cooking demos to the wine tastings to our grand tastings to dinners and events and all these things from all over the place so um you know they, it grows to a very large team when we get to the actual event itself but on a year-round basis it's it's only like you know 12 or 14 people and um so you know it's really it's one of those things where it's like if you dream it you can make it happen you know and 
so what we ended up doing was some of them were very much firsts. I mean, where our event is right now, we're like the, the, the largest street closure in downtown LA history, you know, ch- shutting down Grand Avenue right in front of Walt Disney Concert Hall on the Broad for seven and a half days um, in a city that's, you know, pretty much known for its traffic. So to get the mayor and the city council and like so many of the stakeholders in, in, in downtown, because they were so passionate about what was happening, that so, so much development, economic development and, and cultural development development happening in downtown LA, you know, to get them to approve that so that we could bring this this awesome event um, into the heart of Los Angeles, it was a big deal. And so we red carpet, you know, the whole street and, uh, and you know, have live entertainment, you know, De La Souls coming out to perform this year, which is exciting, mm-hmm. with the Roots, we've had, you know, Fergie from Black Eyed Peas um, do, uh, you know, host lunches. I mean, it's just, we had such a great group of people that kind of come together in Los Angeles. And, and so we just pretty much dreamt up all these things. So we do events at the Fairmont in Santa Monica, you know, down in Malibu, the Malibu Beach Inn. We've, we've played at Shutters and Montage and the Lermitage in Beverly Hills. And this year we take our Lexus Grand Tastings, moved to Barker Hangar, which is going to be so cool. It's, on, it's in Santa Monica on the west side of the airport. And it's this amazingly beautiful um, hangar that, you know, we'll have 30 chefs and hundreds of wineries each day, you know, as our daytime events, similar to what we do in Pebble Beach, um, you know, but just, just we don't have fun with it, and it's about creating these these special moments. And I think I guess what it is at the end of the day is how do how do you do it? You just dream up the craziest stuff you can dream up, and you just go get it done. And hopefully, uh, if it's cool enough, somebody's going to show up and buy a ticket. And you know, we we were lucky so far. That's worked out. Yeah. And I'm, I mean, you're laughing at me from my intro of being like exhausting you, like listening to all that exhausts me. Like, I'm like, how do you make all that happen? (laughs) It's incredible. Um, Caffeine, caffeine alcohol. (laughs) You gotta have a good combination. Yeah. So um, we're going to take a little break here, uh, but don't go anywhere. So uh, stay with us. This is all in the industry on Heritage Radio Network. Music for this commercial break is brought to you by Odetta Hartman. And this one's called creek time. This is Chris Howell from Cane Vineyard and Winery, calling in from Spring Mountain above the Napa Valley. Thank you for listening to this show. In our industrial world of highly processed food and wine, we support the values of Heritage Radio Network. All of us at Kane encourage you to seek out individuality and beauty in everything you eat and drink. To learn more about us, go to Kane5.com. Okay, welcome back to All in the Industry on Heritage Radio Network. I'm Sherry Bayer. My guest today is David Allen Bernal, the CEO and co-founder of Coastal Luxury Management. We're talking about his festivals that he produces between Pebble Beach Food and Wine and the upcoming LA Food and Wine, which is August 25th and 28th. Um, So, so David, like what? I mean, putting together these massive events, I mean, what, what would you say are, are the biggest challenges? And I would think they're different between being in L.A. that you're in the city, as you said, and you're spread out versus Pebble Beach, where I think, I mean, I picture it being a little more um, remote, even though I haven't been there. 
Yeah, I mean, you know, it, it, you know, I'll tell you something. The, the challenges always surprise you because uh, they're they're, cha- they're they become challenges inherently for that reason, right? I mean, we have a full team of people that plan year round not to have challenges. So right. when you have challenges, you didn't see them coming. That's why they're challenges. You're like, oh, okay, we have to figure that one out. So I mean, you know, it really depends. Gosh, Sherry, like I, over the ten years and sixteen events that we guess we put on or so, like. It's um, it's been a million things. I mean, it's we've had you know, we've had a health department thing where someone's like, oh, we need a you know cover over those things, or we can't open the thing, or, or open the party for the for the night, or we've had something with an alcohol beverage license. I mean, there's been a million little um, like what happened there, what, and you just you fix it, you know, you handle it, and um, um, so you know, I think. Inherently, one of the larger, let's say, top-level challenges is that it's figuring out. I think when we went to LA, like that is such a noisy media market, right? Like in the sense that it's it's a very spread-out city. There's there's a million points of contact, you know, with the people that live there every single day between TV, radio, billboards, you know, eblat. Like so, like cracking through that sort of um, market, I think, was a was a was a was a challenge in the sense that we really needed to do something big enough and significant enough to have if we were going to call something Los Angeles Food Wine Festival, it better feel like it. You know, it better not just be something that was a cool little party in a corner of the city somewhere. So, you know, year one we did 70 events across five cities in four days. So, um, kind of daunting task, and I'm sure I've lost at least a few years off of my life for <laughs> producing year one LA Food Wine Festival. But it was totally worth it because we, you know, we just had to, we had to have a bigger dream, we had to have a bigger idea because it's such a such a magnanimous food city, it's such a such a powerful place that it needed to be um, it needed to be awesome. And I think that over the years, what you figure out is what works and what doesn't. Like some things that work really well in Pebble Beach aren't aren't the right thing for LA. You know, maybe they will be someday, or you know. Maybe, maybe not, but it's just you, you get a feel for it, and some, and some things that work in L.A. don't really work in Pebble Beach. So um, we um, – and I'd say that's true with every market, you know, in every place. You, you get a different group of foodies and, and, and wine lovers together, and, like, they all gravitate towards different stuff. And so um, – it's about adapting and trying to stay fresh. And, you know, I say, I say to people all the time, though, it's kind of funny because I think there have been so many food wine festivals um, popping up across this, you know, we've, and I've, mm-hmm. I've given talks about this. I think it's almost too many. Um, but I think when people say, well, what's new this year? And I say, well, you know what? Inherently, we're a food and wine festival, right? So I don't, I think that we have a tendency of wanting to over-theme things. Like, well, instead of burger, you know, bombastic tax, it's going to be taco-licious. Fr- right. you know, it's like, you know what? Chefs inherently are creating different things every year. And just by having an amazing different lineup of chefs, that if you had to go see the 150 chefs we have at LA Food Wine Festival from around the United States, what it would cost like, you know, to visit all their restaurants from New York to Miami to Dallas to Chicago to you know, wherever they're all coming from, and do that in a single afternoon, you know, as opposed to, I mean, it's like, it's pretty, it's pretty amazing. Like it would cost you an absolute fortune to fly over the place and dine in all these spots. And in a weekend, 
to see their expression of what is cool and relevant right now in the food scene, and then to see, obviously, all the things that are coming out of you know, the various vineyards and you know, our mixologist teams that are doing all these great drinks. Like, it's, it's a snapshot in time of what's going on in the food world. And so, um, you know, I think we have a tendency just trying to make it for our events anyways. We just want them to be better. Like, we don't want them to be more, more gimmicky. We don't want another name or something, you know, like, here's the cool way to throw a cereal party. It's like, you know what? <laughs> Give me the best chefs you can. Give me the greatest wine producers you can. Give me the best psalms you can. Give me the best mixologists you can. Let's throw them in a room together, and that's a party. Like, you know what I mean? Like, at the end of the day, that's going to be awesome because these guys are all bringing such an unbelievable A-game that you can't go wrong. It's like if Thomas Keller shows up to your house for a barbecue and he's cooking, it's going to be good. It might just be a barbecue, but I can promise you it's going to be, you know, ridiculously awesome. So, um that's kind of how we look at it, you know, is that, you know, I think that it's, 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 it doesn't have to be like a, a new theme or a new idea. Um, it just, it needs, the, the industry itself is that, right? Food and wine itself is yeah. constantly changing. I think that's what's fun about it. No, that, that absolutely makes sense. I also think from, from going to the first year of LA, I, was it train you had music? Um, like keeping, you, you started to bring in some bigger names of, of music, which I think now starts happening. The, t- the cross between the entertainment and the food is, has been happening yeah, now. Yeah, exactly. But, we, you know, we've had, uh, you know, Questlove DJ sets, we've had train, right. we've had Gavin DeGraw, we've had Common, we've had, um, the Roots, you know, we've got De La Soul this year. We've had, um, yeah. you know, we've had a bunch of celebrities do some really neat things on our behalf at various cooking demos or, um, you know, Ziggy Marley did something with Ben Ford and we had Fergie host a luncheon and like, you know, it's, 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 uh, it, it we try to, it's, it's fun because those are the things that just kind of randomly change and freshen up. Like we're not going to do the same seminar. We It's never going to be the same seminar we did last year, but there's still going to be seminars, right? right. It's not going to be the same group of chefs cooking, but there's still going to be, you know, a grand tasting event. Um, and so, yeah, you're right. Like the entertainment piece in LA, and it's fun too, because when you come to Los Angeles Food Wine Festival, like there's so many up and coming um, actors and actresses that just love food and wine. Like the events are like riddled with people you see on TV every day. So if you're paying attention or if you do watch a lot of television, you're like, whoa, like, what am I like at a casting or something? Like, you know, it's, it's just cool. Everybody's like, everybody's just hanging out and, you know, enjoying, enjoying something. And, uh, you know, it is, it's very LA. Very LA. Speaking. So let me ask you my question I had from my last yeah. episode. I had on Francine Cohen, founder and editor-in-chief of Inside F&B, an online trade magazine that covers food, beverage, and hospitality. So she wants to know, what impact do you think your events have had on dining in America? She was noting that she's been impressed by what you've done, creating these events that are exclusive and be- beautifully curated and in stunning settings, as we've been saying. So... um what do you, it's a, it's a good, I mean, it's a big question. What do you think? What do you? Wow. I mean, you know, in America is such a big thing. I think we, we think of ourselves um, in much more humble light. I, I think that what it would, it actually shocks me when I think back and that the reality is that um, on average, let's say since Pebble Beach's inception, that we've seen, you know, about 65 to 70,000 people. And since LA started, it's a little bit bigger, a little bit bigger party, but we've had um, about the same amount, 75,000. So about 135-ish thousand people or so have enjoyed our festivals um, over, you know, a period of, uh, period of time. And I think what's 
what's cool is that when you think about how we do them, like it's not just, you know, um, we have this nice mix of up-and-coming chefs that you haven't heard of or, or killer chefs in cities you've never been to. And what, what we've seen is that people have gone out of their way to try something from a chef that they met at a festival mm-hmm. because they made a connection, they had a bite that blew their mind, and they're like, you know what, honey, next time we're in Chicago, let's make a drive to Wisconsin because I just want to see Paul Barlota's spot there. Or I want to, like, whatever it is. Like it's, and, and, and I, so I guess in some small way, what, we, what we've shown, at least the people that have come to Pebble Beach in Los Angeles, is that there are amazingly talented uh, individuals at every little nook and cranny of the United States. And if we can put those guys on your radar, that next time you might, you might just make a trip just to go see them. But because that's a big deal now too, right? People, you know, people probably go to Chicago more to to see, you know, Alinea Aviary next, you know, and Royster than they go to see the Cubs. I, so well, I think I you know what I mean. Cubs, like, but like, I do. I think you know. I mean, I, I'm pretty Cubs fan. That's a little bit of a joke, but I mean, it's that like the you know, I'm from Chicago, by the way. I'm just saying that oh, okay. that uh, that uh, you know, like it's it's like you're going to get this experience of this amazing team that's doing something. And what I love is that if we can introduce that to you in a single setting, like if you can commit to come to Pebble Beach Food and Wine for four days or Los Angeles Food and Wine Festival for four days, you're going to experience so many unbelievable bites and chefs and tastes that you it is going to change the way you think about where you're going this next year. Because people are really into food and wine. They want to go experience. It's about experience today, right? It's not about collecting things, and it's obviously a big millennial conversation, but it's like we're all about experiences. And when you get a hint of something, you get so excited about it, you want to make that journey and try that. So I think if there's been anything, I appreciate that question. I think that we've opened people's eyes to things they would have otherwise not stumbled upon because it wasn't in their direct path of travel. I like your answer. I think that makes sense. And uh, yeah, perfect. And on that note, we're going to take another little break and then we're going to come back and we're going to play my speed round game and talk some industry news. So stay with us. This is all in the industry on Heritage Radio Network. This is All in the Industry on Heritage Radio Network. I'm Sherry Bayer. My guest today is David Allen Bernal. It is time for my speed round game. So, David, what this is, is I'm going to name a couple things, like either or preference, and you just pick your preference. Okay. How about that? (laughs) Let's do it. Okay, here we go. Eat in or eat out? Uh, Eat out. Wine, beer, cocktail, or mocktail? Wine. Tasting menu or a la carte? A la carte. Small plates or large plates? Small plates. Communal table or chef's counter? Chef's counter. 
tipping or all-inclusive charge? Tipping. Okay, a few more. Producing events or opening restaurants? <laughs> I finally got you on one. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, wow. Uh, I, you know what? I, oof, I don't know. They don't have a reaction. They're so different. Um, I think that um, producing events. Okay. How about wearing a sports jacket or wearing T-shirt and jeans? Sports jacket. I don't think I've ever seen you in T-shirt and jeans. You're always dressed up. <laughs> finest, finest dress and person in the room. Okay. <laughs> How about cheese plate or dessert? A cheese plate. And Manhattan, Brooklyn, Pebble Beach, or Los Angeles? It's a tough one. Ooh, or gosh. Chicago. I got to throw in Chicago there too. Los Angeles. Okay. There we have it. Yeah. Yep. Awesome. You're very good at the game. <laughs> Until you stumped me right there. I was like, oh, God, what day is today? Uh, you know, I, I'd probably say, I'd probably say right, today I'd probably say restaurants because I've got a festival coming up in two weeks. But after <laughs> then I'd say festival again. <laughs> Whoa, yeah. They're all, everything's good. Everything's fun. Um yeah. Yeah, that was a fun game, Sherry. I dig it. Oh, good. I'm glad. Well, you were good at it. You you moved right along. You got the speed of it. So, <laughs> so um, industry news this week. I, I picked out a couple articles. So first, an eater. It's an article called titled "Google Searches for Restaurants Now Highlight Critics Reviews." This was by Virginia Chamley, and this is just talking about how on Google now it's on their mobile app when you when you search for a restaurant uh, results are now showing reviews of top critics uh, are coming up with the search so you might see yeah. a New York Times review you might see something from Eater or CBS um, and uh, I think it's a cool thing to get more you know some some review opinions when you're looking for a place and and to to learn more about the restaurant any any thoughts on that? Yeah, no, I agree. I agree 100%. I think, you know, the, the big debate is, uh, I mean, there's there's always, there's always a debate, right? Right. But one of the big debates is, like, you know, the validity of of um, crowdsourced comments, right, whether it's on, it uh, doesn't matter the platform, Yelp or OpenTable mm-hmm. or otherwise, and um, and the validity of uh, of reviewers, right? And, and, and I think that the magic uh, touches both, right? I, I think it's really important. I think that reviewers have a have an important role in the sense that these are people that you, you can count on have, eat, have eaten and dined in a lot of places, right? So I think that they're going to have, you know, a, a, a very well-educated, uh, sometimes objective, hopefully objective approach to reviewing a restaurant. Um, at the same time, I've read a lot of reviews I don't agree with, and uh, and but that's because we all have taste. So what I like to do usually is see a general consensus of, of of people and foodies that might have gone that are not professional reviewers, and then also see what the reviewers have to say. Like if I'm really interested in like diving into where I want to want to eat. Um, and I think that that's uh, – so I think it's great. I think that the, the faster you can get that information to somebody, the better, because if we're trying to make an off-the-cusp decision on where we're going to dine tonight or coming up shortly, and that information is, is easily at your fingertips, that's that's fantastic. Um, and, you know, look, we're also all smart enough as consumers. Like, we know where to find Yelp if we want Yelp. We know where to find Eater if we want Eater. We know where to find, you know, the New York Times Review if we want the New York Times Review. So, um, I mean, I think it's great that, that Google's decided to put something forward um, so that if you know, but at the end of the day, there's a lot of really great sources for information. You got to figure out 
where your taste and palate mix. Yeah, no, I totally agree. I, I, I think it's good to have to have more information out there, and you can you can skim through it. You can, you know, I mean, yeah, you're never. I don't think there's ever a review or a, a, a source that maybe I always agree with, but generally, like you get a feel for publications and reviewers, and you can you can see what's out there and um, make your decision based on that. Right. And so. Yeah, I, I mean, is that's the deal, right? I mean, it's like Pete's review per se, right? I just totally disagree. And, you know, yeah. I mean, it was one of those things where I think per se is phenomenal. And I, I, I think there's few, few culinary teams like TKRG, that, um, Thomas Keller Restaurant Group, that, that do care as much about the customers they do. I mean, there's a lot of great hospitality. But I just it's an amazing culture, and it's an amazing team. I know a lot of the guys that work there personally. And, and so I, I, have a, you know, I had a hard time with that one because I've had so many good experiences. Yeah. Um, but, you know, so that those are the things where you've you got to read it. And I think it's, a, you know, someone's, it's someone's perspective, right? And you have to make sure, though, that you, you match that with your own um, and that you can, read, you can read good and bad things and have a very contrary opinion to what um, someone said, and that's okay. Yeah, I agree. So another article I had in Huffington Post Living talking about chefs turning Olympics Olympics athletes' leftovers into nutritious meals for the homeless in Rio. And this, I think, is really cool. It's being led by uh, Italian chef Massimo Bottura, whose restaurant, Osteria Francescana, was named number one restaurant in the world this year on the world's best list. Um, so um, they're, he's leading a team where they're taking leftover scraps um, from the Olympic Village and they're turning it into nutritious meals to feed the homeless in Rio. And um, I just, I just think it's really, really amazing that they're, they're making this brilliant. effort. I, and I think that it's, it's stuff like this where I mean, these guys are getting so much great press and pick up from it that taking something like the Olympics and using it as a bench benchmark for how we need to look at what happens just on an everyday basis in so many places, right? Like, you know, there's a lot of great chefs that have thought, talked about food issues, like in the past, from, you know, Colicchio obviously has been strong. We have, there's so many that have, have um, voiced concern and, and about how, how we're treating food, like how, we, how we're sourcing, how we're growing it, how we're transporting it, um, and how we're getting meals to people because we have some serious hunger issues. And I think this is a great way to bring light and creativity on the subject, right? Um, and that hopefully what comes out of this is, is you know, a, an example that we can translate to numerous events, um, cities, and, uh, you know, functions, if you will, around the world. Yeah, absolutely. And, like, Dan Barber did a pop-up last year called Wasted where he was taking the food right. scraps and he made it into a... a a whole menu and I, I went it was it was it was fabulous i was impressed and so i mean this uh, with with um massimo botura he has people like alain ducasse joan roca um like there's there's big names involved and this whole campaign is called uh refetto rio so um yeah i i think it's it's a wonderful thing to be doing yeah i mean it, it, look it is it's uh we have to we have to be as a community um, 
we have to be looking for new solutions and ideas to problems that are, have been around for a long time, but we need to keep pushing the boundaries on what those solutions are. And, um, and I think it's great that the community is getting behind it in such, a, such an awesome way. Um, and I think that a lot of good things are going to come out of it. If nothing else, it brings, it brings a lot of great awareness of the topic. And I think that, you know, when we start to figure out that we can make really delicious and nutritious things from what we otherwise thought were scraps, um, right. It's a, that's powerful. It's powerful. Yes, I agree. Okay, we're going to take one more break. We're going to come back. I'm going to do my solo dining experience, so don't go anywhere. This is All in the Industry on Heritage Radio Network. Each little carry favorite trinket. Each little, each little carry favorite trinket. 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 Each Okay, welcome back to All in the Industry on Heritage Radio Network. I'm your host, Sherry Bayer. It's time for my solo dining experience. This week, it's at Egg Slut. Here's the rundown. The location, 317 South Broadway in Los Angeles, California, inside Grand Central Market. The concept, a chef-driven gourmet food con- concept that was founded in 2011, inspired by a true love for eggs. The founder and executive chef, Alvin Kalin. Why did I go? Because I like eggs, and this is a hot concept. My experience. So on a recent trip to L.A., I explored the cool market a bit, and then I found myself in the egg slut line, which sneaked around the back of the space, clearly revealing that this was a popular spot. Luckily, the line moved pretty quickly, and after about 15 minutes, I ordered, I found a seat at the counter, and I waited for my name to be called. What did I get? So I went with the Fairfax with cage-free soft scrambled eggs and chives, cheddar cheese, caramelized onions, and sriracha mayo in a warm brioche bun, plus I added bacon. And to drink, I had a cold brew coffee. My take, it lived up to the hype. I'd say hashtag yum. The ambiance, energetic, casual, open-air marketplace with lots of food activity and vendors. Perfect for a fab breakfast food cravings. Interesting tidbit, Kaylin went to the Oregon Culinary Institute and staged at Castagna, Olympic Provisions, Bouchon, and the French Laundry, and he's participating in LA Food and Wine. Personal fun fact, I heard a rumor that Egg Slot might be coming to New York City. It's a rumor, but we'll see. And it's currently, they have two locations, other locations in California and one in Las Vegas. The cost was... About fourteen fifty, or was, I think it was fourteen sixty nine with the tax. Um, and would I go back? Yes, I would. Their website is eggslut dot com. I'm assuming you've been there, David. Oh my God! Yeah, I mean, he's doing <laughs> such a good job. <laughs> it's great, and you know, it's like it's one of those things where you focus on doing something. It doesn't have to be complicated, and you do it really well, and you're going to see a lot of success. And it has a good name. 
They, and they, every name, right? Yeah. I mean, come on, egg slut. Like, and I think we all found our inner egg slut when he launched that. You know, we were, we were like, it's just great. And uh, I couldn't be like more excited about the success that he's having with that. I think it's just amazing. Yeah. No, it was good. I was glad I was able to go. I mean, like, I found the whole Grand Central Market. Um, I was there a couple of months ago, and I just thought the whole place. I, I would have liked to eat everywhere. There were a lot of good options. It was my first time there, so. Next next trip. Oh, yep, you got to do it. Or yeah, when you're at the Cosmopolitan next time, now they got one there, and you know, God knows that that's a pretty pretty good idea if you've been out too late in uh, in Las Vegas. Yeah, yeah, perfect. The perfect choice of food. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. okay, so it's time for the final question. So next, yep. my next guests are Carrie Welsh and Mike Thielen. They're the co-founders of Feast Portland, which is another food and wine festival. This one takes place in the Pacific Northwest. And um, yeah, David, so I wanted to see festival to festival. What, what, what would you like to ask <laughs> Carrie and Mike? I probably, I think mine's probably one not for the show, but I always like <laughs> to know, you know, with other festival producers, kind of like what their biggest nightmare was. Um, and, uh, and, and, and I'd say that maybe next time we cross paths, he can, they can tell me the actual truth, but they can, you know, have something more fun for the radio show. Because it's great. There's always some really fun behind-the-scenes things that happen at these um, Anytime you get tens of thousands of people together, 125 celebrity personalities, and then, you know, 100 members of the media and everything else, like, there's bound to be a couple moments that are worth their own little uh, Lifetime original miniseries. But, yeah. Um, I, I, so I would like to know the, the most, uh, um, the, the most um, non-super-secret crazy thing that's ever happened at Feast Portland. Okay, I might be able to base my whole show on that. <laughs> Let's just talk stories. Because I feel like even the weather plays a big role in, in sure. these festivals. Oh, yeah. You know? We deal with all of it. We deal with all of it. Yeah, I had, I've had years that were like 95 degrees, like the like record high. And we're talking about in, in April in Pebble Beach when it's normally like 50, you know, 55 degrees or something like that. So we had, you know, and, and we couldn't have, couldn't have, rented enough uh, generators and air conditioners in the state of California to make that tent like as cool as it needed to be like that happened one year and then we had one year that was seriously so torrential the downpour that you know the entire equestrian field turned almost into um, swamplands so we just you just never know you never know what's going to happen and, you know we dealt with all of it there's a fix for everything it just usually takes a checkbook <laughs> yeah. yeah I hear you well I wish you the best with this year's coming up festival. I know it's going to be fantastic. And um, thank you. Yep, LAFW.com. If anybody's in the LA area, you guys got to come check it out. August 25th to the 28th, we're going to have four days of fun. Yeah. Well, I'm sorry. I'm going to miss it. Maybe I'll get out there next Me year. Me too. And I'm going to work on that Pebble Beach food and wine. Uh, getting out there you for better. it. I really, you I better. really, I really All want right. to make it happen. You can hold me to it. How about that? Deal. All right, great. Well, thank you so much for for talking with me today. Um, I, you know, we've known each other a long time through the industry, and it's just really great to hear more about your story. And and um, I, I wish you just much continued success. Thank you so much, Sherry. It's great being on, and I uh, hope to see you soon. Great, thank you. So my guest today has been David Allen Bernal. He's the CEO and co-founder of Coastal Luxury Management. That includes Pebble Beach Food and Wine, L.A. Food and Wine, Restaurant 1833, and Cannery, Cannery Row Brewing Company. 
And their website is CoastalLuxuryManagement.com. And as David say, said, for L.A., you can find out more information at LAFW.com. Um, you can also follow them on social media at CLMGMT and at L.A. Food Wine. You can follow me at Sherry Bayer at Bayer PR at All Industry. Check out my Facebook page. It's all in the industry. And my websites are BayerPublicRelations.com and SherryBayer.com. Now, believe it or not, that's a wrap-up here for me for the spring-summer season. I'm taking a couple weeks off, and I'm going to come back with my next show on Wednesday, September 14th. That will be again at 4 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And um, that show will be kicking off with Feast Portland, which with Carrie Welsh and Mike Thielen. So in the meantime, you can check our archived shows. They're at HeritageRadioNetwork.org. They're also on Stitcher and iTunes. Thanks always to my engineer, Pierre. And thank you all for listening. I'm Sherry Bayer. Enjoy the rest of the summer. And as always, thanks for being part of All in the Industry. Bye. Thanks for listening to this program on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. You can find all of our archived programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Heritage underscore Radio. You can email us questions at any time at info at HeritageRadioNetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening. Well, you go looking for the